exactly so. Wow. With our masks on. Yes, with masks on. Gloves. Six feet apart. Daytona scene. Now, we took a hiatus for a while. We both had some some things happening in life. Yeah. Life got in the way of what we were trying to do here. And then we were set to come back, uh, starting this podcast back. Um, and we were going to start, as I recall, the week after Bike Week. <laughs> That's so right. We that would have been March. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we all know what happened. Yeah. And St. Patty's Day, you yes. had a few events that didn't quite come to fruition. They did not. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Big goose eggs. Yeah. But, um, but we will survive. And so we are gonna, we're going to adjust this show like everything else that's going on in life. And... Um, we're going to do it on Zoom. You want to yeah, do a yeah, Zoom show? Zoom show. We can do like yeah. two pictures of ourselves. Like, I like there's a story. Yes. <laughs> Do podcasters. I, I, I still think no matter how many times people, especially after being on a lot of Zoom calls, the last thing you want to do is be on another Zoom call. <laughs> but, you know, no offense, Al, but I don't think anybody wants to look at us, no, especially I, with our me. hair and the yes. condition that it's in. Uh, you know, my hair's <laughs> almost as long as yours now. And this is the first time I've put on real clothes in like three months, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like yoga clothes or stretchy pants or whatever all the time. I just want to, yeah, exactly. I do want to say I might be the only person you know that hasn't done a Zoom call yet. Oh, wow. I haven't done one. Yeah. I don't have a you don't people's. Zoom? I don't yeah. have people. I've done a lot of Facebook Live. Yeah, that's basically the same stuff thing. I've I'm done. surprised Zoom doesn't own Facebook Live. Or, or vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, Instagram's doing a lot of Instagram Live now that Facebook owns Instagram. Yes. You're seeing a lot of that kind uh, of stuff. Yeah, I've, a lot of, I, I yeah. haven't been on Facebook a lot yeah. just because it's, you know... But you know, I think we can say that give it's it's what May, so it's the fifth month of the year, and you know things are basically life is still going on. Yeah. We're you know we're still uh, moving moving along as we're going to learn from Juanita in the, downtown right. Daytona. Things are 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 matriculating down the field, as they used to say in football. Yes, it's matriculating yeah. down, and uh, there's and all of our. Um, Exciting things in Daytona are still happening. We're going to talk to Jake nicely about yes. his great program at the university or at the Daytona he State College. He's taken Zoom to a whole new level, and, and I look forward to people. Basically orchestrating on Zoom. Yeah. And a little John Prine story in there. He's a acquaintance of John Prine back in his Nashville days, so look forward to catching up with him. But we're going to, we're obviously, uh, this has in the past, this show was about talking about events and things going around town. And of course, right now that's not happening, but it will soon, but we're going to, we're going to just kind of dig into the community and, and talk to, to people and find out what's uh, happening here. Localize this a little more. I mean, we, I think we spend a lot of time these days, um, big picture, right? I mean, it's either the feds or it's the governor. So we're going to try to Ratchet this down a little and just look right around our neighbors and see how they're getting along and, and, and give people some opportunities to hear from, from people they probably don't get to see, like you and I. We've been spending time at home. and it's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, to keep the connection going. Our Daytona yeah. scene is uh, a different scene from other, other areas, but um, I think the human spirit, the human energy is still alive and, and growing. Yeah. And uh, seeing some pictures of folks on the beach last weekend... Even though I was a little 
well, not nervous, but you know, I just I want there. everybody to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best place to be is outside. Yeah. But just you know, making sure everybody is safe outside. But it was nice to see so many people taking advantage of the beautiful weather we've been having. I mean, we have had the best spring, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. Like great outdoor street party weather. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, what I, you know, I have been, I've been on this walking kick for, because I need to be for about a year now. Right. And, um, and really rarely saw anybody in my walks. Well, I can, I can attest to you now. It feels like the fifties because there's kids and, you know, out on their bikes riding around now and you see families strolling together and couples. Walk. I mean, it was like, it's just, mm-hmm. I found out like three different people live in my hood that I didn't know live. Yeah. So there are some positives to the whole thing. Yeah. Well, it's like a giant reset, right? And we keep hearing about the yeah. environment itself and even how the fact that so, there's so fewer planes in the sky that it's affecting the weather. Right. <laughs> Which it would and, and definitely affecting weather forecasting. Um, but I might be seeing more birds than you used to see. And it's not that there's more birds. It's just you didn't really oh, see man. them. You're well, rushing I'm, here and there. I have so, seen a lot of birds lately. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of nice to, let's take a breather and, yeah. and appreciate what we got and enjoy and, and talk about it. So if anybody's listening and wants to share some stories about maybe how they're handling this in their business. Yeah. We'll definitely talk about you. some businesses. And we, we we'll talk a little bit later about how um, Copper Bottom Brewery, I think was one of the first, or w- w- distillery, who uh, created a whole new, I guess, liquor-based Hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, right? Like a lot of other businesses were doing. Well, for so twenty five cool. bucks, you can get a bottle of rum and some sanitizer. Yeah, <laughs> sanitizer is free, but yeah, yeah. innovation. That's yeah. exciting. Well, cool. So we'll um, so today's guest, we're gonna write up. We'll have here Jake Nicely from Daytona State College and their music production program, and then we're gonna talk with our own city commissioner, Juanita May. So hang on. <laughs> Hey, everyone, welcome to the show. A good friend of mine, Jake Nicely. Jake, how are you? I'm doing great. Hanging in there. And for those of you who don't know Jake, he is a renaissance man and a master of many things. And, and your job, you're an associate professor at Daytona State College, right, for the is it music, entertainment? Music production technology. Production technology. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank, and, and man, you've been you started that program. How many years is it? In the News Journal Center, if people wonder, the News Journal's not made at the News Journal Center. No. But Jake's program is at the News Journal Center. And, That's right. And a lot goes on there. And it's just amazing yeah. what you've created over how many years have been now? It's been uh, 11, 12 wow. years. We started We started the program. Our first uh, semester was the spring of, of 2010, January 2010. Wow. Boy, we're so. getting old, Jake. <laughs> I know. Things like just the I other know. day. Time flies. It does. It does. I, I I occasionally look at some pictures from back then, and I wonder what in the world has happened. <laughs> <laughs> but a very productive program. I think we've got uh, got a lot of kids coming through there, and kind of give us an overview of what what goes on there for those people who maybe don't know. Well, we uh, we have programs that uh, deal with audio engineering. Uh, we have programs that deal with live sound engineering. Uh, we uh, teach courses in music production which would be the creation of musical content that you'd use for just about any kind of purpose, whether it would be a, a song release, a single, or a digital download, uh, an album uh, to pitch to a record label. 
Uh, we also have classes in sound design for film and television and post-production for uh, doing some of the things that we're doing here today. And uh, we have courses in music business and uh, contract law and intellectual property, uh, studio maintenance. We've got courses in uh, show control to teach students how to operate really intricate systems that control all the lighting and the sound and audiovisual stuff for conventions and and cruise ships, uh, theme parks. So our students usually find work at uh, theme parks doing uh, audiovisual technology for that. Uh, some of them find work in the convention center business doing uh, uh, things for like the Ocean Center or some of the other convention centers around the state. We have students who uh, start their own businesses. We have a lot of entrepreneurial type of uh, students who want to start a recording studio, uh, maybe start their own sound company. We have students who uh, go on to four-year degrees at universities like Belmont University in Nashville, uh, Middle Tennessee State in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, we've had students, a lot of students go to Stetson. So it's, it's a variety of, of uh, opportunities for them. They can graduate our program with an Associate of Science degree go to work for a, a company doing some sort of sound-related uh, work, or they can go on to a four-year degree and, and continue from there. But they get a significant amount of specialized knowledge in, in the things you're talking about, really, to be able to hit the road, hit, hit the ground running, get, get a good job. They do. They do. We, we try to start from the basic premise that they don't know anything at all coming into the program. That's so. probably true. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> that could be true yeah. in, in some situations. It probably is. And uh, so we, we try to give them uh, everything starting from very basic uh, knowledge of audio and, and waveforms and how they interact in the world and how we hear things, the way people perceive sound and the way we perceive different types of sound for uh, things to elicit uh, a response from an audience. So Every time you go see a movie and, and you hear something that scares you and you jump out of your seat, that's because somebody intentionally did that. Right. And so we, we uh, cover a lot of ground and, and uh, take students from the very basic understanding of audio waveforms all the way through creating content, how to market that content, how to copyright that content. And so it's a, it's a pretty broad program. And... Uh, it's a, it's a little bit like a smorgasbord. They get a, a little touch of everything. Most all our courses I would consider intro-level courses, so it gives them a, a good uh, basic understanding. And then if they really want to dive into it deeper, they can go on to four-year programs, or they can just go, go out and get a job. No. I didn't hear you say anything about podcasts. So you're teaching people. Because maybe we can get a <laughs> yeah, an intern. You got an intern. We can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's probably a good idea, especially yeah. under the current circumstances. <laughs> We've right. had to shift our entire program, which is yeah. 100% face to face. Right. And all project based. It's all uh, hands on, very. Uh, 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 group oriented where the project where the uh, students learn together in groups and uh, so we've had to try to figure out how to shift all of that to online which has been a, a monumental undertaking we've yeah. been working seven days a week since uh, we got back from spring break in march just trying to stay ahead of the of the students and create content for them to be able to work on it's uh you know our program is 
is all hands on and it's working in the studio in groups. And so trying to figure out how to teach somebody how to do that when they're at home in their bedroom is kind of like trying to teach somebody how to swim without water. (laughs) (laughs) And you're telling me we had lunch one day and you're telling this to me. It was like the instructional videos you're making on the fly and we're um, we are we're making uh we making we're making videos in the studios uh given some online instructional type videos that we can post on youtube and uh, we use a, a video conferencing program that's embedded in our learning management system that allows us to meet with our students uh live with video conferencing and that's been really helpful. We, as long as I really felt like when we first uh, realized that we were going to have to shift everything online, I, I felt it was real important to stay connected with the students, and yeah. uh, and and not just do what you would think of as a typical course online, where somebody can log in and work on it and right. at their leisure. And I wanted to make sure that we met at our regular regular scheduled time every time to keep the students engaged with each other so that we could see each other on video conferencing. We could talk back and forth, have conversations. Most of our time at first was talking about just getting our technology to work and helping them get their technology to work at home. They were scattered around the county with all kinds of different services, and so their Internet speeds were different, and everybody had different kinds of computers at home. Some didn't have a computer at all. And so it was quite a challenge. We, uh, we ended up working out a deal with one of the uh, software companies that we use for recording to give the students a um, temporary license. It's, a, it's yeah. an expensive recording package, and right. so you have to, it costs a lot of money to buy it. But we were able to get them a, a temporary license so we could install it. They could download it and install it on their computer, and it wouldn't cost them anything. Wow. And so that, that really helped us get through the coursework that we had to do. So then we had to figure out how to design some some uh, activities for them to do that would demonstrate that they learned the things that we wanted them to learn if we had been face-to-face. And so that that took a lot of creativity on the part of the faculty. And they This did isn't an Biology job. 101, and you just got to go learn the material and take the test. This is totally different. It's a whole different thing, and yeah. it's not something that uh, is typically taught online. And so it's, we re- really didn't have any place we could go for any packaged courses or anything like that. So we had to basically take what we were planning to do and turn that into something that we could do remotely. And it worked out pretty well. In a, in a lot of situations, I think we have gained some material that we'll use right. in the future. Right. We now have a pretty pretty good well, that's library. That's a whole course in itself. <laughs> exactly. You created a course within the course. Yeah, we, we taught ourselves a whole new course right. and, and how to adapt to the technology. And one of the biggest challenges for an audio program is getting good, clean audio through the Internet. And if you've ever done any video conferencing, Skype or anything like that, you know the audio is terrible. The video is terrible. And so how could you create a, a, a situation where someone would be judging the quality of audio to make decisions based on audio when the audio is so bad you can't tell what's going on? So we, we found a, a product that allows us to stream uh, full CD quality, 44.1 PCM quality audio. Wow with a 0.5 millisecond uh, latency, which that's a bunch of technical jargon, but what that means is they can hear the audio as clear as if they were listening to a CD 
on their home stereo and there's almost no latency so then there's no delay between what we hear and what we see and so that really made it a lot easier for us to do our our uh, courses and then as you require um and everyone plays uh, not the word band what do you, you use a different word but everybody you kind of put bands together, whether people are, are musicians or not, right? Part of the course is they, they come together in an ensemble. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, so share how that came together. Because we want to put up on, we're going to put up on our Facebook page the, okay. the ensemble. That was really cool. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you guys liked it. So uh, one of the requirements of the program is that the students all participate in a musical ensemble of some sort. They can play in the jazz band. They can play in a guitar ensemble. Uh, they can be in the choir. And we also offer courses that we call a contemporary ensemble, which is basically just putting together a band, that typical rock band or R&B band. And they uh, generally are four to six, eight people in a group. And we pick out songs and we do cover songs. And then at the end of each semester, we do a big concert, invite the public to come in and and do a show. And and, uh, that's, that's one of the things that the students have to do. So we had to figure out how are we going to do that online? And that was a big challenge. So what we did uh, to try to make that work was we decided to do virtual recording sessions. And so the students played their instruments. They learned the material. We all practiced it through video conferencing and uh, working with each other that way. And then when we finally uh, got ready to record the song, we had a virtual recording session where the students so all cool. played from home yeah. and we recorded it to the recording studio at the news journal center. So if you're familiar with the zoom, like a zoom, a lot of people are using zoom these days. It's what's we'll put up on Facebook is them doing a, a Casey Musgrave song. Right. And they all, right. they're, they're all playing and uh, yeah, it's exactly. amazing how it's all together. And yeah, it's, it looks like a zoom call and, but it's not, it's a different protocol that we use. It's a little bit, uh, uh, the security is a little bit better than, than Zoom. Well, the audio and video is better. And the audio sure. and video is much better. And so uh, we were really pleased and and kind of uh, pleasantly surprised that it all worked. Yeah. It was a concept that we came up with when we first started thinking about how we were going to pull it off. And we really didn't have any idea if it would work or not. Yeah. But it did. Well, it did. You guys made it through. and That's awesome. The other thing I want to talk to you about, Jake, is... Um, First, I want to thank you. Well, you've been my friend a long time, but you came to town playing music. Actually, when I had the cafe, you played there. And, of course, you had your own recording studio in Nashville. And I distinctly remember reviewing your CD collection, however many years ago that was. And it was a, it was it was heavy on John Prine. And I, go, I, knew, I knew a couple John Prine songs, but I didn't really know the depth of of, of his song writing and, and, and all that. So you really kind of turned me on to that. And I really... Have enjoyed and unfortunately lost uh, uh, John uh, to COVID nineteen. Yeah. Unfortunately, and had really on a quite a run. You know, an amazing. I would. I don't really want to say a couple. It'd been like fifteen years since he put a record out. He'd been touring, but he hadn't had put something. He put a new record out, "The Tree of Forgiveness," and mm-hmm. uh, he said he he had spent the last two years trying to catch up with it. You know, it was just taking off, and yeah, and he was running it down, having a great time, and. Uh, and there's a lot of people who don't know who John Prine is, you know, and I, that's, I've learned to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly musicians like yourself mm-hmm. do. And a lot of people would know his songs. If, yes. they, if they heard uh, Angel from Montgomery, yes. they would know that song. Most, most people who are 
around about our age probably have heard that song and it's been recorded a lot of times and a lot of artists have recorded covers of John Prine songs and so they they probably know his music they just don't know him they don't know who right. wrote those songs but he he was the songwriter's songwriter right everyone uh, that I knew uh, that was in the songwriting business in Nashville looked up to John and he was kind of the bar it was like He's kind of the mayor of in a lot of ways in Nashville. Wasn't well, he? <laughs> yeah, in in some ways he he was a very very uh, very quiet guy, a very unassuming uh, guy, and uh, uh, would would never brag on himself no. about anything. Mm-hmm. He was just uh, the nicest guy in the world, but such a creative mind. He had had a way of turning a phrase, an everyday phrase that people say all the time, and turning that into something that just meant a whole different thing that could take a song in a completely different direction or make you think about something, make you uh, connect with an idea or think, you know, man, I wish I had said that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and um, you know, you'd had some bouts with cancer. If you could get and as you did, too, you, you, that's you, right. You're a cancer survivor and you both had similar uh, throat Throat cancer. Throat cancer, correct? that's right. Mm-hmm. So if you could share, it's just, I, I, I can't think of a better story and a better person to tell the story than you, but but the the encounter you have with John just by happenstance at a at a restaurant in Nashville a few years back. Well, John John was uh, an acquaintance of mine. We, we were never close friends or, or uh, uh, didn't do a lot of work together. I worked with his manager quite a bit. Al Bonetta. And Al and I had become pretty good friends over the years. We both had little farms out outside Nashville in the country. And uh, he and I spent a lot of time together, but I hadn't spent a lot of time with John. There was a, a little uh, meet and three that we call he it. He loved in Nashville. his meet and threes, yeah. And uh, <laughs> his and, wife said, real quick, because meat is meat and then three vegetables. And his wife was recently quoting, go, let's be clear, two of those three were mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> two of them are mashed potatoes, yeah. and the other one is is uh, oh. apple pie. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So there's, a, there's this uh, little uh, meet and three close to Music Row in Nashville. And a lot of, lot of folks that worked on the row that worked in studios and publishing companies would go there for lunch every day. It was kind of a... A meeting place and sometimes you'd see people you know and most of the time you'd see somebody that you know and there was a lot of music business people and and musicians and everybody hung out there's arnold's cafe on, oh, yeah. on 8th avenue in nashville and and uh, it was always interesting to see the groups people would come in it was kind of group seating they had big round tables and uh, so when you'd come in you might be sitting next to a different person every time and you'd be strike up a conversation and it was really kind of the the best meeting place that you could think of because people would be talking about things that they were working on, different projects that were going on. Sometimes they'd be talking about completely unrelated music business things and just everyday conversations. And for a long time, John would come in for years and years, and occasionally we'd be in there at the same time. And Whenever John was there, usually Al, his uh, manager, would be there. So we'd all be sitting at a table talking about things. And every now and then, Chet Atkins would be there, and he'd sit down and join us. Uh-huh. And, and uh, Or Phil Everly, or you just never knew who was going to show up at uh, Arnold's for lunch. And so one day we were sitting there, and it was after I had sold my studio and moved down here. But I was back in Nashville doing some work, and uh, I had just recently gotten diagnosed with 
throat cancer. And it was about the same time that John got diagnosed with throat cancer. And we were sitting around the table talking, and he was telling about his encounter with the, the doctor and how he got the news the first time when, when they got the test results back. And, and uh, John said, well, sitting in the office, and the doc came out, and he said, John, got some bad news. It's, it's positive, and looks like we're going to have to do some surgery. And John said, well, all right what do we need to do? And he said, well, we're going to have to remove some tumors on your throat, and uh, it could possibly affect the way you sing. John, <laughs> just kind of looked, John just kind of looked down and shook his head, and he said, well, evidently you haven't heard me sing. <laughs> <laughs> What's the real bad news? <laughs> so for the folks out there who don't know John, he is not a great singer. No. Mm-mm. He is not a great singer. He's kind of a Bob Dylan kind of singer. Right. And, but the way he interprets his song, are it, it's so unique that really yeah. nobody could deliver it like John does because he delivers it with such heart and soul. But he's not known for his vocal prowess. No. <laughs> not, no not breaking any glasses or anything. No, like no. But, well, I appreciate that, Jake. I just, uh, you know, I, it's been amazing to me the, the response since – since he did pass away, I mean, got a lot of press, a lot of, you know, a lot of accolades of people who had fallen in it. Really impressive is the younger people, the younger singer-songwriters that really seem to have been taken to. And I noticed that in a couple of concerts I had gone to. It was like, I was pretty amazed that the average age was a lot lower than I thought it would be. No, yeah, a lot of young yeah. people really dug him. Yeah, they do. And and I always use uh, his songs as examples of uh, writing and, and lyric writing in my songwriting class that I teach at the college. And uh, I have made a lot of converts yeah. over the years. The the 20-some-year-old students uh, hear these lyrics. And uh, sometimes what I do is I just let them read the lyric before we listen to the song. And I can see the look on their face right. when they read these lyrics. It's like, oh, man, that, that's killing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. And, and his music stands the test of time. So his lyrics are timeless. They're always going to be appropriate. Mm-hmm. And they can be covered by uh, just about anybody in any genre, any style. So he, he is one of a kind, was one of a kind, and will, well, will be greatly missed. Yes, I tell you, terribly. Well, Jake, nicely, thanks so much for coming and uh, and sharing all that. Thanks for keeping things going while I was uh, laid up on the couch doing absolutely nothing. You were working seven. That's what I'm taking away from this conversation. Is, once again, you outworked me. I'm ready. I'm ready for a little rest. Yes. Today was our, our last day and I uh, got all my grades turned in. And so the students are off for the summer and I'm going to be off for the summer and I'm going to take up my uh, other uh, yeah hobby which is uh, making sawdust on so, yeah it's not laying on a couch like me but no thanks jake so much enjoy your time off thank you Al. Appreciate it. hey now our guest is our friend uh city commissioner and local business owner Juanita may commissioner may good to see you oh well hello there i'm not sure if you can actually say friend Okay, I can't? As, as an elected official, I'm not sure oh, I'm allowed to yeah. have friends. She's not accepting any <laughs> money. Okay, I know well, you from a distance. Constituents, so yeah, well, six feet. Sure, constituents, but. right? We there can, we go. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. we, we, we were friends before you were elected. So yes, that's, yes, that's yes. Everything is very equal now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice to be able to say I know an elected person, a politician who mm. I really like. 
And one who is available, and one right. who is accessible, and one who's out and about, and one who responds to phone calls and emails. And yes, I have been known to show up at your door. I actually had a situation where somebody sent me a telephone call. Within 30 minutes, I had the information. And then around 7 o'clock at night, I showed up at their house. There you go. What do you think of that? Did you have, <laughs> not, not pandemic time, so you didn't Before have a mask pandemic on. pandemic time, okay. and I wasn't shot, so I'm doing yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of, I mean, who knew when you ran for office, we, we knew you were going to get downtown underway, but who knew a pandemic would break out? You know, right? you know what I find myself saying? I sometimes speak with people, and I say, did you ever think of this in all of your your little you know planning and scheming and whatnot? Did this ever come up a pandemic? I mean, how does one plan for this? You know, I good really good question, and I think I thought of it, but I never <laughs> ever ever even crossed my mind that we would be holed up in our houses and and wouldn't go anywhere. I guess I didn't think yeah. it through Well, at all. doesn't it, though, just go to show? <laughs> because these things, it. these viruses have been around. There have mm-hmm. been countries who have had, we've been lucky, just how lucky we really have been mm-hmm. that this has not touched us in this way. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to see the responses of people. You you know, there's fight or flight or get all freaked out about it or, hey, let's put a plan together. Mm-hmm. Let's move forward because we are going to get on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is how. I'm really intrigued by what happens to people psychologically. So we all know that my background is marriage and family therapy. And I'm graduating. I was supposed to graduate like in the next few months. But apparently with my internship, I'm now putting it back a few more months. Because it requires seeing clients. And I think I'm going to go to telemental health pretty well full time when it comes to that. So they're setting that up. Um, but, you know, in some countries, compliance is key, and that has to do with the makeup of the population. So funny story, when all this hit, my father was in South Africa, and I'm South African by birth, Cape Town, and they were just getting ready to lock down before he flew out. And the way we work lockdowns, I call it a lockdown, in South Africa is with martial law. So you don't get to leave your property. Right. Your dog runs down the street, say goodbye to the dog. Nobody's going to get the dog, and everybody behaves accordingly, very compliant. My, well, that's fear, right? So my sister um, is in Canada. She FaceTimes me and tells me, hey, $1,000 a person. When they stop you, they say to you, who is this person? Do you live in the same household? And if you're walking together, that's okay. But if it's not somebody in your household, they will find you. I, I find it to be, um, in some countries, The she's been in quarantine now for, I guess, seven or eight weeks, you know, and she's prepared to, to go a little bit longer as well. Mm-hmm. And here, we're, when I drive down streets right now, I feel as though everything is back to normal for everybody. I am not getting pandemic quarantine let's be cautious what about you lisa what do you well say? i i haven't been out at all i would actually had moved my daughter up to maryland about a, a week ago and since but i was was been home and since before that i didn't go anywhere mm-hmm. i have recently moved to edgewater area mm-hmm. yeah. but i didn't go anywhere so today when i drove up us1 i was amazed yeah. at the amount of traffic yeah this has started um i think when the beaches started opening up a yeah. little bit I would take I would take little drives, kind of check out the zone. I'm a commissioner in Zone Three in Daytona Beach, so I would kind of survey the area, see what's going on. I was surprised. There was one day when everything was everybody was just you know at home. I took a picture in the middle of A1A, and I remember looking down the road, six o'clock on a Sunday evening, not one car going up or down, 
And I went, wow, people are at home. They're listening, taking care. They're at home with their families or where they should be. And now, I don't think so. Parking lots are back open. You know, I just went, drove by some uh, A1A. I was in Flagler and I actually saw a restaurant that had taken their tables and chairs into the parking lot as we're doing in Daytona Beach. So we might want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it's interesting watching how people react to things. I think we've, we've loosened up quickly. Best way I can put it. Thoughts out? Yeah. No, I agree. But it's, I see, and I back to an earlier statement you made, or maybe Lisa said it was the diversity of reactions to this has been profound to me. There are people that will not leave their house, or if they do, they're in full garb and hazmat suits. And then there are other people who go out and about and are oblivious mm-hmm. to it totally. And I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not doing the, ha- I'm doing the mask when I'm out and about, but I'm not going to. You know, you know. I, I kind of want to ask people, and again, I go back to my therapy side. My therapy hat comes on. I think to myself, I would love to ask them, "What is your philosophy of life?" Like when you forget pandemic, when you're approaching situations, what is your general mindset? And I, I would hazard a guess to say that we keep the same constructs as we go along. So if your approach to a car accident is, "This is how I'm going to react." Then when something else comes up that's a bit of a disaster for you, you're pretty well going to take the same process. Right. You know, and also I think it's a sense of I think Americans, as Americans, I'm American. We have a sense of individuality, which is what we embrace here, yes. and so everybody gets to make their own decision, except when there's a crisis. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, and I think that's the biggest. And this is kind of I guess off the top topic of what's going on in Daytona, yeah, but funny. just in general. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, we've heard the president say he's a wartime president. We are at war against an invisible enemy. Mm. And this is the first war that we have allowed the enemy to completely infiltrate our lives. What mm. we're saying, we're not going to stop it. Mm. We're, you know, some people, we're not mm-hmm. going to stop it. We're not going to prevent it from spreading. But if you looked at any other enemy we've had, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, whoever, you wouldn't let them. You wouldn't let it mm-hmm. infiltrate your life like that. Mm-hmm. You know? But but the interest the interesting thing is is that there there seems like as you're speaking it's like a thread uh, when we've had like international crisis. What has the mindset been of Americans? It's been and we persevere. We get up and we get our economy going and we get up and and we do. We we're not going to be scared. So that. That little life motto there is the same for some people. We're not going to be scared. We're not going to behave a certain way. We're going to just go for it and keep going. You know, the economic impact of this on Beach Street, to bring it back home. So as I'm driving down Beach Street today, because I was taking regular trips up and down to watch the progress of the road, because the road is doing really well. They are kicking butt. We are ahead of schedule. I think it's because there are no cars. Yeah, well, the impact (laughs) has been. We could still beat the Orange Avenue Bridge because they keep pushing back. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be just fantastic? (laughs) (laughs) I actually had made a comment. I said, if we had known all this, which of course we did not, starting on the other side would have been beneficial because now that we have the goal of the sidewalk expansion was to allow what a cafe style experience which right now is what we're embracing yeah. to allow restaurants to do their thing on the sidewalk so mm-hmm. mm, next time yeah All right. <laughs> so, i know if only if we were that only, prescient right? right so in um as i head up and down uh, beach street there were times i would call the city manager and i would say it's seven o'clock in the morning why is one side of the sheet street shut down we made a promise that the streets would be open 
that we weren't going to close down. There would right. always be a lane of traffic, right. you know, on the other side. And they would do something about it. And most times, um, the two times it happened, they were actually making big cuts in the middle of the road. So you couldn't have driven there anyway. It was an inevitability. But I really wanted us to stick to what we said. We said we were going to be timely. We said we were going to keep everything nice, clean, and neat. We said both sides would still be operational. And I wanted us to be sure to keep our word. Yeah. yeah. So I'm watching the shops right now. Have you noticed the shops are open today? Yes, they have. I've been down there. Yeah. I, you know, I take a deep breath. And I, I admire the um, I admire the merchant spirit. I say that <laughs> as I raise my finger in the air. Because I used to think of myself as a small business person. Until I realized I'm not a small business person. I am a merchant. A small business person to me is going to have like three or four or five employees. I don't have that. Right. I have myself and maybe somebody else that comes in occasionally, right? So I am a merchant. Merchants, you know, we get up, we go to work. It's just us. We take our breaks. And the merchants, the actual owners, are the ones who I'm seeing or staying open right now. You take pride in your product and you have something and a service you deliver and you're part of the community. Yeah. And, you know, I really wish that I really wish that more of the community would come and visit Beach Street eventually. So let's talk pre, pre-COVID. I think there's pre and post, right? Kind of like that. So, I mean, how often did people come down? I know my clients would come and they would see me. And then they would go and have coffee. They would go to Cheryl Cook's. They would go and have lunch or something. They would go to Amara's. All right. And I'm one. And but they came from Ormond or Port Orange or Jacksonville or Deland. To them, it was a whole outing to come down here. And I guess my question is, you know, are people from the local community coming and using the shops or the services? What do you think, Al? You've been here for years. Well, well I think. And this I think is pre-COVID, yeah. Yeah, pre-COVID. I mean, we were on. A, a, Having done the events, which you were instrumental in helping create, we we were on a roll. I mean, I've since November well, November through um, well, we we didn't get St. Patty's Day in, but it was looking like it was fixing to be big too. Mm-hmm. So, from the event side, and the merchants really were getting in a rhythm. I think mm-hmm. there was um, you know a lot of it. There was a lot of uh, there. I mean, I think there's still a lot of of optimism about the changes. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I ran into some very prominent successful business people last night six feet apart and um they asked me about downtown they were they were they were where in the past those those people those type of people would say yeah you know the usual thing i would hear is wow you know keep keep fighting like you you know they're now they're like but now (laughs) i don't need your pity no no but (laughs) but now they're like oh now they want in now they get it they're like they see what's going on and they Mm -hmm. totally get it and Mm -hmm. so these are successful business people that when they say and they're not they don't have skin in the game but they still get it even though we're going through this so i think once we we like everybody else mm-hmm. once we roll through this and mm-hmm. the merchants i've talked to in stores i've been into it they're, they're not quiet at the 25 they haven't hit exceeded the 25 percent occupancy you know they're not even getting to that right now mm-hmm. so i i actually think uh we're talking government i think the the governor's kind of hit it right so far mm-hmm. um, you know i think that the merchant and again I, I use the word merchant versus small business person because there is a totally different vibe right mm-hmm. i mean we're in it for a little bit longer we tend to stay we'll innovate the business we'll innovate the room i and i think of glenna downtown she's been there for 30 years mm-hmm. salon 230. every mm-hmm. yes yeah, salon to every time you go down to salon 230 and it's right on magnolia every time you go there it's different she changes her ambiance her feel her music mm-hmm. she's innovating that's what gives you longevity 
right? So you have to you have to keep that going down here. And I think it's that business person. I think it's the Amaras of the world. I think it's the Quanitas. I think it's the Glennas. You know, I think it's I think it's the Nigels who are those those merchants who will kind of keep going. We don't need to have a lot of people come and see us. Right. We don't have, I say, a huge nut to crack. It's it's just us, and that's it. You know, we try to keep our expenses low, and we try to provide a good quality service. So it's interesting. I'm curious to see what happens on the other side of this. I really well, am. from a from a city council uh, perspective, how how are you handling it? The uh, merchants, businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the direction? Is there is there direction coming okay, from? So, this is what we expect you to do. Sure. So what we've done so far is we have really tried to restrict some of the previous ordinances that we had. Okay, so one one thing I asked for was, can we go to the sidewalks? Could a restaurant, and I swear, all I wanted was, can we just put a couple of tables on the sidewalk in front of the business? The city went above and beyond in their planning, and they said, let's go into the parking lots. That didn't even enter my mind. I just wanted just just yeah. let's expand them to the outside. And so now some restaurants, and I actually saw one in Flagler as I was driving down here, um, they, they had their tables and chairs and their umbrellas in the parking lot. Now, you're not allowed to have music out there, so it's not like a show, so we're not congregating. But you're sitting with tables and chairs, you have an umbrella, you're being served, there's social distance, and you're outside. People are actually doing it. And I think that that is wonderful. Um, our concerns for the business has been opening up too soon, the social contact and the distancing. And so for the businesses who have the room, I think, you can do it. But something that's a little smaller, I mean, you're really going to be restricted. Like the room we're in right now. I mean, how many people if you had a business? Whatever that was. It would be one person, you know, one client, one owner, and then there, there it is. It depends on your spacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think we've been very open, you know, with what business can do. I will tell you this. Hmm. Well, there's no rule book. There's no, uh, well, this is how we used to do it when we had a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, in the good old days, right? right? So, um, you know, when we first started, I was on the side of, you know, let's let's keep an eye on this. Let's not close quite yet. Let's not go there yet. Because I was concerned for the small restaurants on Beachside. And then as I, I was tracking the numbers every day, each week we'd have an update. And I was doing mine daily, and I would call into the hospital. I would call into Housing Authority. I would call into Halifax Urban Ministries. I was calling the school board. I was calling all of these other organizations and saying, tell me what's going on with you. Like, what, do you, what information are you getting or different ministers? And then I finally reached a point where I said, okay, now I'm ready. And for about two weeks before we closed, I was already saying things like, anytime that we want to close, I'm about ready to go with it. For the first little bit, I was trying to really watch for the merchants. Now, what's interesting is Cruising Cafe, Leanne, Cruising Cafe, mm-hmm. she came to a meeting and she was advocating for not closing right away because we went to first takeout, right? Takeout and delivery before just a complete shutdown. And I said, I'm all for it. I thought it was great. And she said something. She said, you know, she really likes to help the community. And I said, well, I may take you up on that. And she said, okay. So about three weeks later, I called her up and I said, I'm going to take you up on your offer. I would like you to work with Housing Authority. They need to provide some meals for some of the areas, Palmetto Park, PP area around there. And she said, okay. So she provided 130 trays of lasagna. Now, you know I'm not talking about a plate. Yes. I'm talking about a tray. Eight people. Eight people tray. And I was overwhelmed. So was Housing Authority. And the people came out and said they had never had somebody just do that for them. 
You know, right. food pantry, yes, they're accustomed to this. But to have somebody say, here is this, I'm, my business is giving this to you. Those kinds of things um, are what the small business community, that's right. what they're doing right well, now. Well, and the copper bottom distillery, didn't they? Sanitizers. Yes, create. A, Sanitizers. Just, the innovation, I think, is what's so yeah. so exciting about and all this. You know this. what's fascinating? And sometimes people work through the restaurants. So I remember the cracked egg. In Daytona Beach Shores, um, clients of mine, they, um, Kevin and Diana called me up and said, hey, we had a, a customer who wants to stay anonymous, but he'd like to buy uh, meals for X number of homeless people. He wants us to prepare it. And then who can we give it to? So then I contacted um, a homeless organization, and then that's how we did it. And so what I find, the way the government is designed to, for me, I can only say for me, my idea of governing is that we are a conduit of, and how do we get this done for the good of the community? It's possible that we can do this for you. And some of it safe. doesn't require yeah. money. It doesn't require money at all. It just requires connecting the dots. Could, exactly. And, and you're aware of the dots and where a lot have, of people are you not. You have to be aware of what is each person doing and how are they doing it. You know. So you know, getting back to Beach Street and this whole Zone 3 area, what you're going to find is that we have um, Beach Street is being done right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you're going to see Street Magnolia. Street. Now Magnolia is your thing. Electric is the electric uh, is coming noticed. in. Okay, for right our across, nighttime events, right across from your shop, I see. Not right across company. from the studio. And so let's talk about this. So for me, I mean, how am I as a business person going to adapt to the Friday night farmers market? And you live close by, right? So I mean, there's going to be a whole new vibe. There's going to be people walking around. There's going to be music. There's going to be some dancing in the streets. There's going to be you can walk around with wine. I believe is that correct? That's, out yes. right? Wine. Oh, that I'm was in. the meeting, yeah, right? Of course. <laughs> It's vegan. You can walk. There won't just be uh, vegetables, produce. There'll be other items sold as well. And so that'll be a very, we think of it as activating the street. And then also, if you go one block over to Palmetto, you'll notice we're doing some work and landscaping on Palmetto as well. And we have a brand new dental office opening up in a you know a few very short period of time, I suspect. So we're really shaping this downtown. Yeah. I think the catalyst really was Beach Street. Uh, the cat, yes. Well, the catalyst was Brown and Brown. Mm-hmm. And then so Riverfront Park. CC and Riverfront yeah, Park, yeah. I mean, so, but let's talk. I mean, we, they're doing their part, but we started Beach Street. Right, so th- I mean, our portion right there is activating all the other streets around it, and the yeah. businesses too. People are seeing we're actually doing something, and I think right now the park is maybe ninety percent complete in design, so they're getting ready to roll also. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point for the way that uh, people often look at government projects or what they might see as okay, this is going to take forever. There's naysayers, but when, even if you just see a few incremental changes, a couple more plans, mm-hmm. some painting, mm-hmm. some signage. That mm-hmm. just a little bit at a time makes a big difference. And so that's what I, that's what just even driving yeah, up today, that's what yeah. I saw. So, I mean, a few months back, so everybody focused on Beach Street, which I think is a phenomenal area. I mean, my business is here. We all live down here. We have shop, but there are other areas in the community, right? So, let's go to Main Street for a second. Mm-hmm. So, Main Street, is there anything different that you noticed on Main Street? Two things have already happened on Main Street. Did you notice? I haven't been on Main Street since. What? Uh, That's your baby. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've only been on Beach Street a couple. The twinkle times. lights are down, right? Oh my from, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from Christmas. I, hey, you just talked about. Uh, I, 
I mm-hmm. pretended I was in South Africa. I <laughs> pretended if I left, I'd get shot. Exactly. So I didn't leave. So you didn't leave. So okay. Paid, I right. have been doing so, my duty to do so nothing. You're doing your due diligence. A few months back, we did a, a walk on Main Street. I'm not sure if you recall that. Yes, but Chamber did a walk. I showed up. I walked. City manager walked. It was great. We paid attention to some. Okay. So generally things happen and then now what? It's great we walk and we talk about it. And and I think that's fantastic. Um, we kind of aren't operating like that anymore. Now it's we walk, we see it, and then we say, now what can we do about this? And so someone said something about the planters. They said they're like a oh, yeah, pewter yeah, okay. clay color. Okay, we changed them. Not sure anybody noticed. I did. But we were talking about just brightening things right. up. That's what we did. But that was before Christmas. That was, yes. I'm not sure. Was it before Christmas? Yeah, because we, you and I, we, did we the walked walk. with you the... You were part yeah. of the walk. It was well, part of the walk. Well, yeah. well, that was the... Well, we did the, the light up. The night. light up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So then we did... So, I mean, there are these little things. You're right. It's incremental changes. But my question is, do people actually care about the very small thing? Or are they expecting, like, this big reveal? When things happen gradually, you, you kind of go with it. Oh, one more change. But if you leave and you come back, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is so different... I think that has an impact, but for me, I'm about the little changes. So then just recently, I received an email from a resident on Beachside who said, you know, he went for a walk down there and he thought the streets looked a little bit dirty and I said, okay. And so within 24 to 48 hours, they were out there pressure washing the streets and taking care of it. So what I'm liking right now is the, the way that government is working as long as we are responsive, you know, as long as residents reach out to responsive, us responsive not defensive yeah, yeah. I, i'm responding like oh great thanks for telling me i pre- i don't feel attacked i'm like you know what i obviously cannot be everywhere and the things that i pay attention to might not you know work for you right so we have so we have these little things we're working on through there i will tell you that on peninsula um i was lobbying for the removal yes this i had to lobby for this man all the way to tallahassee i had to take this to tallahassee i had was lobbying for removing See the dual lights we have? We have a, a wooden pole, a wood pole, and then we have a cement structure, a column. And this is where our power grid goes. So it's either FPL or it's Spectrum or it's AT&T. Right. Well, one day I'm driving and I see a gentleman in a wheelchair. And he's in the, he's in the road because he cannot get through on the sidewalk. Why? Because there is a wooden pole in the middle of the sidewalk. So I turned my car on and I chased him down with my car. I took a picture of him in the road and the polls. And then I sent it to some people in Tallahassee. And I said, is this what you want for yourselves? And I got a response. And so then FBL said, hey, this is what we're working on. They got in touch with Spectrum, they got in touch, and they switched it over. And so little by little, those dual polls are being eliminated on Peninsula. Now it's gonna be a long-term project, right? But it's possible to actually, and so I'm not a, I'm not outraged at government moves so slowly. I actually believe the opposite because to get something to actually move, think about all the parts it takes and then it gets done. Hey there, this is Bobby, producer of Daytona Scene. Uh, we have so much more content we want to bring you, uh, including the continuation of this interview, plus Ryan Kerr of the Daytona Tortugas on the next episode of Daytona Scene. Don't go too far away. Stay tuned.